Hey, it's Heidi. Welcome back for another video. I'm so glad that you're here. And if you're new here, welcome home. There's a bird squawking outside of my window and it's like doing its bird song. I guess it's trying to call somebody to it. But isn't that kind of what I do with these videos? Like I'm here, I'm singing my bird song, my call, and you're hearing it and you're going, man, she's singing my song. I'm gonna come back for another video. And usually that's what happens, right? And we build the community and build the relationships. And I just wanna thank you for being here and for all of your comments and all of your support. And it means the world to me. And if you're new here, that's what I really long to do. I want to form a relationship with you. I want to deepen our connection. I want to help you by giving you the tools, the strategies, the understanding, the insight, the perspective, the shift that you need in order to navigate your, navigate your most difficult relationships. I handle and deal in dysfunctional, toxic relationships. That happens to be my area of expertise. Codependence is my area of expertise. What's that? Ooh, it's a way to function in dysfunction. And there's not a more dysfunctional relationship. I mean, there are lots of dysfunctional relationships, but one of the most dysfunctional is with an addict or an alcoholic. So you're here because you have an alcoholic spouse. Now I'm doing a series here, alcoholic dad, alcoholic mom, alcoholic wife, alcoholic partner, so that you can understand the five things that you need to know. You must know these things if you are going to be okay inside of this dynamic, because without the tools, without the resources, let's be real, you're not okay. You're up all night long wondering how to fix this thing, how to get your loved one back. It's maddening. It's completely destructive to every other area of your life because you can't focus on anything else when your loved one is hijacked, especially if they're doing some shady stuff to you in the process, right? And they're hurting you and they're hurting the other family members and you just want to know how to make it stop. I get it. I'm glad you're here. Make sure you take a minute and like this video because it helps us like helps us help more people. All right. If you do find something you like here and also subscribe, if you do find something that you like, because again, new videos every single week come out on different topics. Now I want to say that my, this is my area of expertise. I've dedicated the last 20 years of my life to understanding dysfunction and toxicity on a deep, deep level. I worked inside of as a lead faculty as a teacher, as a coach, as a family pro, I ran the family program and created the family program inside one of the world's leading drug and alcohol treatment centers for eight years. I helped thousands of clients and hundreds of families. However, there are many different perspectives on addiction and many different ideas about what to do and what not to do. And so I'm just one of those voices singing my bird call. And if you happen to resonate with my bird song, then let's dig a well and go deep. Let's flock together, right? Let's learn and deepen and grow our relationships. But there are lots of other experts with lots of other ideas on how to handle things. Don't stop until you find who's singing your song, all right? And and because you deserve to get the answers that you want. And sometimes we can't, we can't hear it from one person, but we resonate with another person the way they're saying it. So these are my ideas. This isn't the gospel. This is what I've come to understand and learn after almost a decade of working inside this environment, hell, growing up inside of this environment and overcoming my own issues with substance use. These are the conclusions that I've drawn. And it's based on all that research. It's based on all that mix of education and understanding. And so I want to present that to you today. I've narrowed it down into these five things you need to know. Of course, there's many more things that you need to know. 
If you want more help, you can always go over to lovecoachheidi.com. I have a lot of free resources over there, like a, a, a boundary black belt masterclass that's free. I have an understanding addiction masterclass over there, a webinar, the top 10 mistakes families make, that lots of free resources, a free ebook on addiction. So many, many things. All right. But let's get into it today. So if you have an addicted partner, okay, husband or wife, you're here because it's your spouse and you need to, now it's a different relationship than with a child, right? Um, and, and you can get support, but again, what's different for you might be different for somebody who's dealing with this from a, for a child or any other parent or any other kind of perspective. So I'm going to kind of tweak this to make it unique to you. The first thing you need to know is a no brainer type of thing that you've heard over and over again, but I'm going to expand upon it. And I feel like I need to, because you're here watching this video and that is you can't fix them. Now you're going to go, okay, it's so brilliant. Yeah, you can't fix them. I know that. Well, then why are you searching videos, right, on things you need to know in order to deal, right? Because there's an element of hope that if you learn the right thing, that you'll be able to fix them. I'm not giving you strategies to fix them. You cannot fix them. I do give lots of strategies on how to handle and deal within them and how to be in the relationship if you choose to do that, how to navigate the relationship. But as far as like fixing them, that's not something that we have any control over whatsoever. There's nothing you can do to help an addict necessarily be healed, right? But there are lots of things that we do to help them stay sick. And those things are like enabling, turning a blind eye, calling their work for them, smoothing it over, making sure, you know, mitigating the damage fallout with the kids, all these different strategies that we do to try to mitigate the pain or the fallout are actually helping that addict not have those consequences and they're making it easier for them to stay drunk or high. All right. So you, there's nothing you can do to fix it. So knowing that it is their responsibility to recover, no matter how bad you want it, you cannot work harder on somebody's recovery than they are. Recovery should look like something very specific for each individual. It's up to them to figure out what that recovery plan looks like, what kind of treatment plan they have. Now, I know you want to encourage them to be well, right? We have lots of videos around here on how to encourage somebody and how to speak that hope into them. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you can't want it for them. And the lie is, though, that somebody has to want it. Addicts or alcoholics, they always say, oh, they'll go to treatment when they're ready. They'll go to treatment when they want it. There's my cuckoo clock just on cue, right? Every single time. Did you grow up with one? I did in my grandma's house. It's like my husband, I mentioned I liked it. And then there's the cuckoo clock. Okay. You know, right in the middle of a video every time without fail. Anyway, what I was saying was, Lots of people have this notion and idea that an addict or an alcoholic, like your husband or wife or your partner, has to be ready to go into treatment. Then they'll just be ready and they'll go and they'll one day they'll be excited to go. And I have to tell you, after eight years inside of a drug and alcohol treatment center, I didn't see that even one time. Most people don't come into treatment and they're like, oh God, I can't wait to go. I'm so excited. Let me stop using the only thing that's making my life work. Let me give it all up and let me go through absolute hell 
because I feel like it. Nobody feels like it. Nobody's really motivated. Why do people go to treatment is actually a fear of loss. There's usually something that motivates them to come in. They start that way. There's a push of pain that gets them into treatment, right? Their wife says to them, hey, look, I can't live like this anymore. No, I'm not going to subject the kids like to this anymore. So I, we love you and we're not going to live in this environment. So go get yourself better. Or, you know, um, we're going to, we're going to be over here getting better, whether you get better or not, right? Or the boss says, hey, you're high. This isn't working. You're going to lose your position. There's a fear of loss. There are relationships lost or something, or, or they get forced in. They got a DUI or their hands are tied or they lost a big amount of money or they got in trouble some way. There's usually everybody who comes into treatment is for a push of pain. There's a consequence of waiting or a consequence that has already happened. Now, what motivates somebody to get into treatment isn't what keeps them in treatment a lot of the times because the, the pain wears off, right? The feeling of the pain wears off. And eventually they slip into this new motivation, which is the pull of purpose. They start to uncover who they really want to be, what kind of person they want to be in the world, how they want their relationships to go. And the light at the end of the tunnel appears, and then they're motivated to stick it out. But they're not going to wake up one day and go, you know what, honey, you're right. I just want to be better human. I, that's not what happens. It's like, I, I get it. You guys are done. You guys have had enough. I better get my act together. That's usually how it happens. So if you're waiting for that magical opportunity where the light's going to go off, it's not going to happen. Usually you're going to have to make a decision as a spouse, especially if you have kids involved, that you guys are going to get better, whether they get better or not, and start doing that. And then they're going to get on your train or off your track. But if you continue to smooth it over, and sweep things under the rug and make things function in the dysfunction, which is the definition of codependence. You help people function in dysfunction and you're cleaning up the messes and you're making, you're pretending everything's okay and you're covering for them all the time. You're helping them stay sick. So you can't fix them to get better, but you by sure can help them stay sick. And you're doing that every time you're in that codependent dance of enabling and that back and forth. Now, again, if you have more questions about this, we're only on the first point. You can see there's so much to know and there's so much to understand. That's why we dedicate an entire course to this, to really understanding addiction and breaking it all down. If you're interested in that again, please go over to lovecoachheidi.com and send me a message. But hopefully you have a pen and a paper and you're taking some notes and we're going to keep on teaching, okay? Even if you don't do that, you can leave here today with some really good nuggets of information that can help you start moving in the right direction. The second thing that you need to know if you're when you're an adult and you're in a relationship and you have kids, whether they're the breadwinner and they're making all the money or they're functioning or whatever, what you need to know, you have choices. You have choices. Now that might seem like a no brainer too, but not to somebody who's in, in, enmeshed with a relationship with somebody who's addicted or alcoholic where you're codependent and everything, because you feel like your hands are tied. You feel, start to feel like a victim inside of that relationship at the mercy of the addict or alcoholic thinking to yourself, well, we can't do anything until they stop or they get better. You know, we, we can't even function until they make a decision to change, you know, all of our health and wellness and our mental stability is based upon what's going on with that person and whether they decide to get better or not. And that's a lie. Again, you can get better whether they get better or not. In fact, you need to. You need to get the resources and support that you need to get well, whether they get well or not. You have choices. I don't care if they're making all the money. I know there are many, many ways to make money. I don't care if they're, they're, they're you know, they're, there's, they're, now listen, 
what's coming up to me right now as I'm talking to you because I'm I just kind of like talk and things come up. Some of you might be thinking I don't have a choice. I'm I, there's there's an abusive element to this. Now I understand that, and even in an abusive situation where things are extremely tense and they're terrible and things really hit the fan and get ugly, okay you can go to the hotline.org and you can talk to somebody right now and they will pick up that phone and walk you through an exit strategy and give you a plan and help support you through. In all situations, it's even hard to see. We have choices. When you don't feel like you have choices, you settle and stay suck, stuck in this suck, in this area of sacrifice and everybody's kind of suffering and you feel like my hands are tied, there's nothing I can do. And you know who else is playing that role? Is the addict or alcoholic. They play the victim role and usually you're playing the hero role, meaning I can fix them and, the, and the, the, they're the, there's nothing I can do. The, the addict says, oh, and then, then the hero goes, well, I can fix you. And then everybody else is falling apart, including you, while you're all focused on that addict or alcoholic, especially if there are children in the house, right? So thing you need to understand and know is that there are choices. There are options. Even if they don't want to go to treatment, there are things you can do. Again, they're not going to agree. They're not going to go, that sounds like a great idea, Betsy. That sounds like Carol. <laughs> Where's this idea been my whole life? Yes, I want to go to a rehab. In fact, what I really want to do is I'm hoping that that's rehab. There's a bunch of 18-year-olds who are opiate addicts and I'm 56 and I own a successful company. I'd love to roommate with those people. No, there's nothing about this that sounds good. In fact, when you start to talk about treatment, all the demands come in and all the excuses come in and all they do is sit around and talk about their problems. Well, yeah, that's part of recovery. But we, we buy into all those. Now, again, there's another video on this channel called um, why rehab doesn't work for your loved one and I give you all the reasons and how rehab can work okay we're getting into it today I get hot I get passionate about this why because you have choices the whole family doesn't have to suffer everybody isn't at the mercy of the alcoholic even though it feels that way we're all at the mercy of this addict no you're not my love you have options. There are ways that you can get well and your family can get well no matter what's going on. Number three, what you need to know. Super important, super crucial again. Might sound like a no-brainer, but why do we, we say we know this, but then our behavior indicates something totally different. And that is you need to know that love has nothing to do with this. Now, I know, I know that, you know, but then we say, if you loved me, if you loved your children, if you valued me as a person, if you cared enough for us, if you really, really put us first, you know, if you, that's all, if you loved me enough, you'd quit. Now, addiction has nothing to do with love. In fact, it steals the part of the brain that's responsible for feeling those loving connections. It severs that and it only connects to the substance instead and has one true love and that's it. And even though it can see the love on the periphery, it can see the love, it can't feel it because all the synthetic feeling is coming from the substance. It, that's, that's feeding the love. That's getting the neurotransmitters of well-being. And again, there's another video on this channel called Understanding Addiction, the best explanation of addiction of all time. Search out that video and it'll tell you why you can love, you can look at your child and still get high. That explains that. Love has nothing to do with it. And if you're a parent and this is your spouse and you're teaching your children, yeah, daddy just, lo daddy just doesn't love us. And that comes out in some kind of way, you're giving those children a complex that they don't deserve to have because it's not about love. Addiction has nothing to do with love and you need to know that, okay? That's important. 
Um, they may or may not know, love you. I don't know. They may or may not know how to show they love you. But I, what I know for sure is the only love is the drug or the alcohol. As much as they'd want to love you, they're hijacked over here. I remember saying to my dad and thinking as a little 7, 8, 10, 15, 35-year-old, if my dad just loved me enough, he'd quit. I thought that for most of my life until I under, really understood addiction and made an effort to understand it so that I could see love has nothing to do with it here. Okay, and That's going to set you free when you know that. The fourth thing that you need to understand is addiction is never really over. Let's say they do go to treatment and, and they say, oh yeah, thank God. I remember the first time my dad went to treatment, I was like, ooh, thank God that's over, honey. I've waited all my whole life for to have a dad. I waited my whole life for this to be better. And the reality was he relapsed 24 hours out. Some people go through treatment multiple times. Some people go through treatment one time and get it. Some people never go to treatment and, and, and do okay. There are many, many roads to Rome. However, for most people, this is a lifelong walk and so is any kind of wellness. You don't lose a hundred pounds and then go, thank God, like that's over. I don't have to think about my weight anymore. You're going to manage that weight loss every day, right? You can make the decision once to be healthy, but you got to manage that decision every day, whether it's, whether it's walking or exercise or mental health, or you work on your marriage, you don't go to a retreat and go, thank God we're healed. You go back into your marriage and you sow the seeds of love and sow the seeds of appreciation and affection and attention. And you do all those things to make that marriage continue to work after you've gotten that initial treatment and that is exactly what treatment looks like for your loved one so it ain't over just because they went somewhere for 30 days or heaven forbid 10 all right and again in another video we talk about what recovery should look like or if you want a one-on-one -on -one, you can book it at any time all right i know i'm coming at you like a fire hose i can feel it let's breathe i can feel it i i, I feel it. i'm like oh my god i'm like here's a fire hose drink the information so let's breathe and let me get to the fifth point Okay, the fifth point is you need help too. And where is this resistance? It's in the fact that why the hell should I get the help? My loved one, my wife, my husband, my girlfriend, boyfriend, partner is the one who needs help, not me. All right, I'm the one that's firing on all cylinders over here. I'm the one that is knowing what needs to be done. I'm the one who's in my right mind. I'm the one who's holding down the fort. All those things are true. And while that's true, that you're doing all those things, underneath there's a simmering, burning inferno of resentment and rage and anger and frustration and disappointment and numbness and everything in between that if you don't address is going to continue to affect your psychological, emotional, financial, and physical health long past the time that your loved one gets well. You know, it's kind of like you are now again, I'm not making a diagnosis, but I do know that a lot of people who are subjected to any kind of abuse long-term and addiction is a form of abuse. That's my position. Not a lot of people have that position. It's mine. I think addiction is a form of abuse, just like any other physical, mental, emotional, or physical abuse or spiritual abuse. And if you suffer that for many, many years, you can form complex post-traumatic stress disorder. You know, you can, <laughs> you could like be in the, in the war zone and be subjected to that. And, you know, there is, is an impact on your life. There's an impact of this. You, you have the fallout. There's like shrapnel stuck in your body even long after they get well. And you need support too. 
You know, you need support. You need somebody to come alongside of you and be a safe place for you to pour into all of your thoughts, ideas, fears, concerns, rage, you know, a perspective. So there are many places to do that, whether that's a a trauma-informed or drug and alcohol-informed counselor or therapist. Now, many therapists do not, traditional therapists don't have a lot of training in addiction. I know that because I've had a lot of people intern with us when I was running the program at the treatment center. So make sure it's their specialty. Make sure addiction is their specialty. Um, you could go to Al-Anon. You could get a support group that's free and get a sponsor and learn to work through a program. Or you can come alongside of a coach who's actually going to be a mix, a hybrid of those things, who's going to listen to you, but also give you concrete direction and steps. It's not all about surrender. There's some things you need to know and do and understand in order to be okay, right? So I'd love to be the one that you come alongside. If my bird song sounded, sounded good to you and that you line up with the you're part of the flock, then, you know, let's deepen our connection and come over to lovecoachheidi.com and send me a message and we can, we can start to work together. Um, so again, let's recap those five things. Okay. The first thing is you can't fix them, but there are things you can do to help them stay sick. The second thing is that you have choices and options. Even, even though you might not feel like you do, you always do. And that's a good place to start from. What are my choices and options? The third thing is love has nothing to do with this. All right. If it did, they'd, they'd be healed. The fifth thing is it's never really over. This is a long-term thing that you're going to be dealing with. And the fifth thing is you need help too. You need support too. So again, I just want to encourage you to keep coming back for more or go deeper in our connection and get the support that you need over at lovecoachheidi.com. And I will see you again really soon. Take excellent care of yourself. Bye.